Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Edition of the Night Report podcast. Joining me, uh, my name is Mike Broadbent. Uh, joining me once again is Richie Schneiderite. Uh, Richie, we have a preview show for Michigan. Um, hopefully, we can cover the spread in this one. But uh, given how last week went, that Michigan's just kind of like a more beefed up, better version of Minnesota. Um, I'm not going to hold my breath there. Uh, but we do have, uh, I think he's the editor of the, the Michigan Rival site coming to join us shortly, right? Yeah, I think I think he's editor. I'm not really sure. They have uh, they have a big staff over there, so yep. I'm not really sure who's who. Uh, but first, this podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Uh, basketball is back, and Bet Online remains your number one resource for all your sports betting needs this season. You always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends on Bet Online uh, as your continued resource for all your sports wagering information. Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. It's always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. You can head to Bet Online to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Make sure you use the promo code Believe. That's B L E A V to receive your rewards. Bet Online, where the game starts. And as always, we're also sponsored by Adam Goldman. He's the franchise coach. Um, basically, uh, if you don't know what the franchise coach is, he uh, he gets you set up with your own type of uh, American dream. Like he could set you up with uh, a food industry franchise. With a uh, we're talking about gambling, so maybe a gambling advice uh, business or something like that. But uh, kind of help you just set up a, a new career for you instead of doing that nine to five and sitting in that office cubicle. You could you could be your own boss. So uh, if you're interested in doing that, Adam's a Jersey guy through and through. Uh, Watch Young Hills native, Night Report member, Scarlet Knight fan. He's been doing this for like 10 plus years at this point. So the guy knows what he's talking about. If, uh, if you're interested in changing everything up, uh, give him a call today. It's uh, 844-800-3726 or franchisecoach.net. Yeah, so Michigan is a very, very good team. Much better than last year, in my opinion. Um, the number five team currently in the CFP, which... It's absolutely insane that Clemson is ranked ahead of Michigan in those rankings. Um, yeah. So th- they, they, in my opinion, should be a top four team right now. Um, they haven't had the toughest schedule, um, but they did totally deep pants Penn State 41 to 17. Um, and for context, Penn State uh, got also beat by Ohio State last week, but that they only lost 44 to 31 um, to Ohio State, whereas yeah. Michigan beat them by. 48 points. Or, I mean, they gave or, up 450 rushing yards to this Michigan team. This team is dangerous on the run yep. run game. Like, it's it's scary. Yeah, they're a very good team. They're even more dangerous by having an actual, like, mobile threat at quarterback now with J.J. McCarthy, who took over for uh, Cade McNamara, who – imagine having this kind of luxury. Like, the guy who led you to a college football playoff berth last year in a Big Ten title, and Cade McNamara got benched for – the five-star J.J. McCarthy, who's, I think, a sophomore in eligibility. Um, yeah, and it's uh, it's kind of crazy because uh, <laughs> Rutgers has one quarterback going into next season, or two quarterbacks going into next season, and they don't know who the starter is. I guess Gavin Wimsett now, but besides mm-hmm. the point, maybe, K- hey, maybe Cade's a transfer possibility. 
for Rutgers. Yeah, maybe. I, I don't see that one happening, though. He's, <laughs> no, I think he's from Vegas. Uh, everybody's yeah. been, like, talking about He's going to be, like, every team's, like, maybe he'll come type transfer quarterback <laughs> if he does uh, actually transfer, which I, I'd imagine he will. Um, yeah, and then he could lead a team to a college football playoff again. I mean, hell, Bo Nix is a Heisman candidate and was dog shit at Auburn. Like, yeah, <clears throat> that's true. Sometimes, if you, uh, I was sending you this the other day, the uh, Dame Brugler's top 50 for the drafts, and it's amazing how many guys are transfer dudes out of that list. Oh, it's, it's absolutely insane. Um, yeah, hey, hey, Trevor, what's going on, man? Hey, boys, how you doing? Good. Uh, excited to talk about this Rutgers-Michigan uh, tilt Saturday night at uh, 7.30 at, at uh, SHI Stadium. Um, I imagine you guys aren't happy about having to play us again at night. Not that it's going to really matter, probably regarding the score, but uh, it's weird. We The last time, the last three times you guys, or three of the last, like, probably five times you guys have been to Rutgers, it's been night games. Yeah, it, it's interesting. Um, I mean, from for travel purposes, we're not a fan, but uh, <laughs> otherwise, no, I mean, it is what it is. Night games are always fun, right? So Yeah. Uh, so let's talk high level with Michigan. Uh, we were kind of talking about this before you came on, but in my opinion, they should be a top four team. They should. There's no, way, there's no way you could say watching Clemson and Michigan that Clemson's the better team than Michigan right now. Let's talk high level. What about this team do you think is better than last year, and what do you think is worse? Because obviously you're both very talented teams from 2021 to 2022, but kind of give us an idea of where you guys are this year compared to last. Yeah, sure. So the identity is starting to you know, come clear now. This, this kind of a hardball thing as the season goes on. right? We start to see what the identity of the team is as it develops. And it's not crazy different than last year in terms of relying on the run, you know, bend, don't break defense. Um, the run game is different in terms of how it looks and some of the scheme fit. They're relying heavily on Blake Corum. Um, I would argue it's, it is better in the sense that we see, seem to see more consistent first down runs, long runs, um, just consistent run game in general. Last year was driven by a lot of explosive plays we're still seeing some of those, but this seems to be a more consistent grind offense than what we've seen in the past. Um, better is J.J. McCarthy on the short throws, you know, adding, and adding his element in, from a scrambling standpoint, right? That, that's the difference with this offense from last year. That's the obvious upgrade. Um, what's not as good, I would say, probably, you know, the, the linebacker play, especially in pass coverage, right? We've seen some improvement from the secondary but replacing Daxton Hill, replacing Josh Rosh, those guys that covered the tight ends and some of the guys in the middle. Michael Barrett's done really well. Colson's the leading tackler. But we've seen some some exposure there. I've actually been really shocked in the last two games that Michigan State and Penn State both didn't target uh, the linebackers with tight end play. Yeah, so, I mean, let's just start with the beginning of the offense. I know you just mentioned McCarthy obviously brings a lot more uh... – I guess a couple of different abilities compared to Cade last year, but what are some of the major differences for fans that don't know? Yeah, so J.J. is obviously a much more mobile quarterback, right? Cade was very, very good pre-snap, making his read, making the smart decision. He lived on the check down under 10 yards, especially to the right. J.J. is making a lot more reads going through progressions post-snap. Uh, we saw three times against Michigan State where he was able to scramble and get a first down. Um, one of them was on a fourth down play. Uh, something we, we wouldn't have seen from Kate last year. What's been interesting, and some of it's Michigan's scheme and some of it's opponent's defense, but coming into this year, everybody was so excited for J.J.'s cannon arm and for the passing game to open up and the deep shots to come. And at this point last year, 
Cade had more deep passes and more deep touchdowns than JJ did. So he was missing some throws in the beginning of Big Ten play, 3 of 14 on throws over 20 yards to start the season. So they kind of backed away from that a little bit. His completion percentage was like 88 on throws under 20 for a while. So they had no problem living there. Um, but we do have a question mark. If the, you know, come some other games, whether it's Illinois, Ohio State, if JJ is going to have to throw the ball deep, we don't know yet if he can do it. Yeah, you're kind of alluding to basically how the offense has been run for you guys. It's been just a ground and pound, dominate people with the run game. You guys, you guys have two great backs and Blake Quorum and Donovan Edwards. And you have a guy who transferred out in Zach Charbonnet, who's at uh, UCLA now, who's dominating there as well. Uh, do you guys have a, a running back coach that really stands out in terms of development? Or is this more of just Michigan has identified them as a running team and that's what they really focus on uh, for their offense? Yeah, I think it's three names in particular, right? So early on, Jay Harbaugh was the running back coach for a few years and did not get enough credit for his ability as a recruiter and as a coach. We've seen him now as a tight end coach, running back coach, special teams, best special teams unit in the country. So the nepotism argument with the last name, we're eight years in. He's a great coach. He's a really good recruiter. The kids love him. Obviously, the last two seasons, the running back coach has been former Michigan running back Mike Hart, um, who... We, we saw what he was able to do at Indiana with a couple backs. We know his talent as a player. We've seen it as a coach. Um, I think we knew players really liked Mike Hart, but when he had that medical emergency against Indiana and you saw the emotion of Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards and, and some of the things they said afterwards, they love Mike Hart. Um, in terms of holding on to the ball, not fumbling it, that's Mike Hart 100%. <laughs> we saw freshman C.J. Stokes burst out of the gates and then fumbled once against Maryland and didn't play for three games, right? So when you get in the doghouse, wow. you get in the doghouse with Mike Hart, yeah. But uh, the other shout-out is Sharon Moore and his job with the offensive line. So a lot of the pin-and-pull scheme and things that we see from Michigan comes from his time as an Oklahoma guard blocking for a guy named Adrian Peterson. So <laughs> the, the two of Not them, bad. yeah. So Moore and Hart combined together to be like the run game coordinator planning. You know, we, we still don't know you know, Harbaugh's being intentionally coy about the play calling and what's happening there. But in terms of planning for the run, that's Sharon Moore in the offensive line and Mike Hart. So as good as Quorum is at blocking tackles, I don't want to give any credence to the narrative that Quorum is doing really well because of how good the offensive line is. But it's the Joe Moore, or, yeah, Joe Moore award-winning offensive line. They might be better this year. That combination of that offensive line, that scheme, and those running backs, it's pretty, pretty incredible so far this year. Yeah, so I kind of want to just keep going down the line here. Um, obviously, it's a run-heavy team, but you have some serious weapons at wide receiver. And, like, Ronnie Bell, who everyone's like, oh, he's a two-star, two-star. I know the backstory behind it because he was a hoops player. But And then no, Cornelius Johnson, who was a kid I've covered a lot uh, from his Connecticut days. Like, just can you talk about this unit? Like, mm. they could definitely torch you in the passing game, too. Yeah, and Ronnie yeah. Bell missed all last year, too, with an ACL, I believe, right? Yeah, so we didn't know what that bounce back was going to look like. Right, And then and coming out of camp for Ronnie Bell, Harbaugh was saying he's quicker out of his cuts and he's actually running faster. And it was like, okay, <laughs> raise this practice talk. We'll, we'll see. And he is. He's, he's, I mean, commanding lead in terms of targets and receptions on this team. He's, he's a clear-cut wide receiver one. You brought up Cornelius Johnson. I've been a fan of his since his time in Connecticut. He had a really, really good tape. I thought he was underrated. He's had some, I'll call it consistency issues where he'll make a really great play, but then he makes, like, he had the fumble against Michigan State that was just kind of a lazy fumble. Props to Michigan State. They were 
trying to strip all night, but you know, he's had some drops. But he's the, the bigger outside receiver. Um, both of those guys, as good as they have been, have struggled to get separation. Again, part of that's defensive opponent scheme, and part of it's just as good as they've been playing above their rankings. They're not the kind of top-level Big Ten running backs we've seen. Roman Wilson was that deep threat, and teams have really, really zeroed in on him. So, like I said, the last two weeks, it feels like both Michigan State and Penn State felt they could stop Blake Corum with even boxes. But they were going to press Wilson, fight him at the line, and even double-team him. We saw a lot of grabby on Wilson, and they've, they've taken him out of the game the last two early in the year. He had deep touchdowns in every single game. Uh, behind them, the big question mark is Andrew Anthony. He had this breakout game against Michigan State last year, and we just really haven't seen him. Harbaugh specifically brought him up in the press conference this week saying, yeah, we, we think he should get more targets. And it's kind of like, well, you're the head coach, man. Like, make that happen, right? <laughs> so at some point, I've gone on shows like your guys every week, and I'm like, I think this is the week Anthony's going to break out. So I'm going into week nine hoping, okay, this is the one where they're finally going to use him. I kind of want to talk to you guys, talk to you about the transfer portal and how Michigan's kind of utilized it. Um, You guys got a huge transfer portal addition in the former Virginia center. I think his name is Victor. I don't even try and butcher his last name. Um, And I think you guys got, uh, was it Cam Good on defense Mm -hmm. as well? Um, Has Harbaugh really put uh, an emphasis on the transfer portal in general, or is he using it mainly to like fill holes piecemeal? Yeah, so typically, so when Michigan, you're going to get into a real sore subject with Michigan fans here. Um, (laughs) Typically, Michigan only goes after grad transfers because there's a lot of issues with credits and and transferring. We saw that with, uh, I'm sure Richie can talk about Terrence Shannon. He was a lock to go to Michigan and literally couldn't figure out the grades, and now he's at Illinois. And Yeah, so anyway, Michigan has kind of used the grad transfer typically just as a depth piece. So Cam Good played a little early, and now... He doesn't really see the field anymore with some freshmen and other guys stepping up. But just when numbers don't look great, if we can plug and play some grad transfers, um, I'll make it easy for you. That center, just call him Olu. He goes by Olu, so you're good there. That's easy. Yeah, that's easy to remember. <laughs> yeah, so he's he's a next-level addition where you're getting a guy who was a Remington Award finalist last year as one of the best centers in the country to replace Andrew Vistardis. So, And he's been, I mean, just so, so crucial to this offensive line. I wonder if that's going to change Harbaugh's a little perspective a little bit moving forward. If, hey, you know, I know we're still locked into the grad transfers. The credit thing's not changing anytime soon. I know some people are happy and excited that maybe Michigan's president will, but I wouldn't hold my breath. Um, I wonder if he's going to start targeting maybe more high-impact grad transfers that could potentially play as opposed to, like you said, more of those fill-the-hole kind of guys. Because, yeah, Olu's been a massive addition for them. Gotcha. And then, I mean, like, we, we talked about the entire offense. Everyone knows how good it is. 41 points a game. I mean, it's pretty damn good. But uh, the defense, the defense is phenomenal. They're only giving up 11 point, eleven and a half points per game. That's number three in the country. Like, Yeah, they uh, they kind of surprised some people. I thought the narrative of, oh, how do you replace Hutchinson and Jabba was really lazy for a couple of reasons. Nobody thought Aiden Hutchinson was going to be the number two overall pick at the start of 2021. And unless you were a real loyal Michigan fan, you never even heard of David Ajaba. Before 2020. Oh, hey, one... Jersey guy, Jersey guy. Okay, yeah. relax. All right, relax. all right, all right. <laughs> I remember who I'm talking to. I apologize. Uh, <laughs> but he had one career tackle at the point. So, um, so to think that some of these other guys couldn't step up, granted, they're not going to be Hutch, right? As good as Mike Morris has been on the edge, and he's, you know, he's a Benaric semifinalist. He's been really good. He's not Aiden Hutchinson. We know that. 
Um, we've seen Yabioki, Jalen Harrell, and a couple other guys kind of fill in the committee approach, the no-star defense. Like, we, we heard that all offseason, and it's really starting to come together now where this, this unit's working really, really well as a group. Um, I mean, you could call out some names like Mozzie Smith, who's taken a huge step. Um, Mike Sainer stills, the former wide receiver, converted into that nickel role, similar to Dax Hill. He's been unbelievable. Probably, again, maybe a depth plug-in guy that's become a star, right? Um, what will be interesting is where the defense thrived last year, and again, I'm, I'm thinking of the Ohio State game, getting them in obvious passing situations and then just letting Hutch and Ajabo go eat. As good as the pass rush has been this year, more sacks, more pressure, they have gotten a lot of those stats against worse teams, right? So it'll be interesting to see in the big game if the defense is better. But across the board, just, you know, committee approach, everything, yeah, you're right. The defense has been phenomenal this year. And that's a lot of credit to Jesse Mentor continuing the scheme of Mike McDonald, implementing his own little pieces, and incredible halftime adjustments from him this year. So you guys really haven't been tested all season. I think most of your wins have been by, like, 21-plus points. Like, none of them have even really been competitive outside of the Maryland game. What did Maryland do that was different and challenged you guys that no other team really was able to this year? Yeah. I I don't want to say that Michigan thought they could take that game easily, but based on the script that we saw at the beginning of the game and some of the play calling, it felt like Michigan didn't think they had to – open it up too much to win that football game. And honestly, week four last year was Rutgers, right? Kind of a similar situation where that yep. game was a lot closer than it probably should have been. Um, big picture, I think Harbaugh still has this kind of NFL mentality where he wants his team to be the absolute best by the end of the year and it like gets better every week kind of thing. But that causes them to play really close games early in the season because it's this like slow-moving train of development, right? But to Maryland's credit, they ran a defense that they hadn't run before. They were dropping eight, really confusing J.J. McCarthy. And that game plan has kind of transferred throughout the season. These teams are thinking, if we can get J.J. flustered, maybe he's going to make a mistake like he did against Penn State where he threw the ball, they got tipped, and ended up being a pick six. Or the weird back foot Hail Mary that Quorum luckily caught somehow. Right. So that's really what Maryland did was, we know Quorum's going to run well. But we're going to just try and fluster your QB and hope we can get you into a mistake. So you mentioned the, the Rutgers game last year, and I kind of wanted to touch on that because Rutgers under Greg Schiano has, has played Michigan pretty well. Uh, last year we lost 20-13 to 13 in the big house. The year before that, in the COVID year, we had that three-overtime game where Cade McNamara saw his like rise to the starting QB. Uh, what is it that Rutgers has done that you think either frustrates Harbaugh or Michigan, or is it just like we were playing? Like, what, What's your take on why Rutgers has played you guys close the last couple of years? I think Greg Schiano's a good coach, right? Now, Greg Schiano also spent some time before coming back to Rutgers as the defensive coordinator at Ohio State, right? So he probably learned a lot about Michigan there. Um, but I, I think he's just – he's a good coach. They scheme well, and I think – and again, I don't want to say Michigan doesn't take them seriously. That's not what I want to say, but – I think Michigan comes in maybe trying to work on things they have to work on, and Rutgers does a good job of playing up to the competition and treating it like the big game it is. And sometimes Michigan just gets caught, I don't want to say sleeping or again, not taking them seriously, but it's just what it is, you know. And it's, again, a lot of credit to Shiano. Last year, that defense really, really frustrated Michigan. And it wasn't a lot of fans at that point. I mean, we weren't 
seen the Love Harbaugh train yet. <laughs> there was a lot of frustration coming out of that Rutgers game last year. So, And this year, anybody thinking they're going to see that 78-0 repeat? I don't think that's the case. You know, I do think Michigan's going to win comfortably, right? But I wouldn't be shocked if this is close at the end of the first half. We've seen that a couple times this year. And I know Rutgers, I'm really disappointed because um, Brown, the running back, being hurt. I love the running backs of the Big Ten. That's probably the best thing about this conference. And to see him injured is, is a bummer. But, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if Rutgers plays him hard for a while. So I know I'm going through like your guys' message board right now. What's the feeling like among this among the fan base for this game? I know like they're they're saying like obviously Rutgers has pretty good defense. They're all talking about it, but uh, you guys also faced Iowa, which I mean also have a pretty good defense. Yeah, I think I mean we're just now starting to see people realize there's a game this weekend, right? So the whole tunnel situation and everything post Michigan State is really just taking all the air out of the room and. I wouldn't be shocked. I know that the team's preparing, and I know the coaches are doing all the right things, and Harbaugh said something earlier about, you know what, I had an epiphany. It's time to move on. Um, but I think that's going to weigh heavy on everybody going into this game. Um, it also sounds like a lot of Michigan fans aren't traveling for this one with the night game and some plane ticket stuff we've seen. So it's not going to be the, the maize and blue big section in the Rutgers Stadium like we've seen in the past. So I think a lot of fans are expecting a very vanilla you know, offense and just kind of a get in and get out and get the W and, and move on and, and try and put a cap on this week. Um, I, I, same thing, I guess, I think people expect it to be a little bit more competitive and Rutgers to step up, but then eventually to, you know, win by that 20, 25 margin, pretty similar to what we've seen in the Iowa and Indiana game, like you mentioned. So I do want to talk a little bit more about the elephant in the room. Obviously the, the tunnel gate from last weekend, uh, Michigan State, you know, they only suspended four of their guys. As more video came out, they suspended four more, so it's eight total suspended from the incident. I know that there's been a lot of talk about, uh, I don't know the, the player's name, but he typically like tries to get off the field as quick as he can so he can shower and talk to his dad who drives up from Texas. So there's a lot of stuff floating in the air about this incident. Tell us a little, like you would probably know better than most, what happened for the tunnel incident and what are kind of the repercussions you see happening moving forward? Yeah, I mean, we still don't know everything, so that first video from Matt Charbonneau came out right when the game ended. I was on a post-game presser when I saw it. I'm like, oh, my gosh, like where they had uh, Jaden McBurrows in the tunnel. And I was like, oh, this is crazy. And then we heard Jamon Green, who is the player that was actually injured and was struck with a helmet. Um, we heard about that, and then we saw that video a couple of days later. So what we've heard so far is that it was actually green in the tunnel first, like you said, running back to, to go see his father, kind of off to the side. And then McBurrows had come in to try and separate them once green was getting struck. And then McBurrows got pulled to the side. And, and that's where we saw kind of the mob around him. In terms of what started it, whether it was just as simple as him being in there, I'm sure there was some talking, you know, who, who knows whatever else. We, we haven't seen real good video from, from behind or right in the front. Because of the criminal investigation element of this, there's not a lot of stuff coming out either. People are allowing that to happen. So we'll continue to get more facts. Credit to Michigan State, though, for when they have been presented with enough evidence to know that a player was involved, they have suspended him indefinitely. Again, same thing, allowing the investigation to play out. Um, you know, Michigan's staying focused on their players and their health and kind of talking about that. In terms of changes moving forward, um, I don't know. They had more security there that in the video we saw didn't appear to be doing much 
So that's a concern, right? Um, obviously, it's a tight space, but it's been around since 1927, too. So there's been jawing before, but it's interesting. They, they dedicate it to Lloyd Carr, and the first two weeks we get peanut butter and jelly sandwiches being chucked, and then now this fight. So as much as you know, Michigan wants to talk about not making changes, I'd imagine there's going to be something that's done just because if something like this happens again, you start getting into a dangerous situation in terms of liability and such. But, I mean, you guys have seen it. The stadium is built in a hole in the ground. There's not exactly an easy way to add another tunnel or anything. So I don't know what they're going to do other than, like, literally roping off the area until the, you know, road team's in the locker room or what. But Yeah, so so I know Green got hit pretty pretty badly in the video. <laughs> is he okay? Is everyone else okay? I know uh, the other guy got hit pretty good too, but. Yeah. Um, again, there's not been a lot of talk just because of, um, you know, Green's family has come out and they've hired an attorney and they are potentially pursuing charges. Um, Green's going to be okay. Um, there was a weird rumor kind of floating around that he might quit playing football. Um, I do have confirmation from as good of a source as I can get that that will never happen. <laughs> so he will play again. I don't know that he'll play this weekend. Um, all we know is he does have some abrasions. He is in concussion protocol. Um, but that, that's all we really know right now. But as far he is okay, he's going to be okay. Uh, McBurrows hasn't played this year. So I think that was part of That's the first time he's even been dressed this year. He was the guy in number one that was pulled into the tunnel that was kind of seen on camera leading up into it. So haven't really heard anything about him. But, um, yeah, long story short, yeah, they're, they're going to be okay. And then I don't know when Green will be back, but he will be back. Yeah, Rutgers has a similar one-tunnel situation. And I don't believe there's ever been an incident here. Um, and obviously we don't have as heated of a rival um, as either Ohio State or Michigan State. Um, so we, we yeah, it's hard to judge from our end, but I, I, I'd imagine there are protocols around the country that are, you know, that can help remediate this issue. Cause like you said, they're not going to build another tunnel in all likelihood. Cause that would probably require the stadium to get shut down for a year or two, which I don't <laughs> think you guys are willing to do. Um, but it, it's also ironic cause Rutgers plays you guys this week. And then we play Michigan state the following week. So it'll be, uh, hopefully we get a little bit of the, the hangover effect from this incident in both games. Uh, but who knows? <laughs> I did want to talk to you about before we get into like game predictions or anything like that. Uh, we try to ask everybody who comes on to give Rutgers a perspective on how NIL is done at other schools. What's the NIL structure like at Michigan? Do you guys have a lot of guys getting a lot of their own deals? Um, tell us about like your collectives and how well they're doing. Just kind of like full scope NIL. Yeah. So the, the NIL program at Michigan, again, this would be, uh, who you ask, right? Because fans would tell you it's the worst, it's terrible, blah, blah, blah. Um, Michigan is not taking part in any sort of pay-for-play, you know, involving NIL in recruitment. Now, that's not saying they're not telling them about the different collectives and the NIL that players are earning at Michigan, but they're not using it as any type of tool to get you to come to Michigan. When you come to Michigan, you can earn these NIL opportunities, we're not promising you $3 million to come here to play, though. That's just what Michigan's been doing. They would admit, the people involved, that it's been going slower than they would like, but they have a lot of good plans in place. There's been some obstacles administratively. Um, some of that was cleared up last week with the NCAA putting out a little bit more guidance in terms of what is allowed. Michigan's being really careful and not jumping into the Wild West scenario. Um, but they do have one collective. Um, it's called Valiant. It's run by a former player named Jared Wangler who is doing a great job of organizing a bunch of different types of events that connect players with fans. 
give fans opportunities, whether it's via video conferences or, you know, signature events or things like that to have exclusive access, you know, monthly fee. They've, you know, produced different things that are for sale in the Michigan store. Michigan was actually the first school to offer officially licensed, you know, jerseys with the players' names on it that the players get all of the proceeds from. Where Michigan, I think, is hoping to lead, and it's not going to happen right away, but maybe in the next few years, is more of a revenue share type situation. We've seen Jim Harbaugh make the comment about, you know, the $1.6 billion a year the Big Ten is about to get from these networks and their new TV deal and arguing that maybe that's where some of the player revenue should come from. So we'll be interested to see if it goes that route. Um, but it, other than that, it's the usual. We've seen JJ, you know, posting with his car and a local dealership and some of that. But um, Valiant and Jared Wangler are doing a really, really good job of trying to connect businesses and local you know, organizations with players and trying to keep maybe the, the booster element that could potentially get the program in trouble out of it. Yeah, because I do think it create the, the revenue sharing creates a very haves versus have-nots type scenario because, I right. mean, the majority of athletics departments in, that are in FBS football are in the red every year. It's seen as basically like a marketing expense. Like the few that do produce profit, Michigan's, the, ten, the Texas's, the, you know, the Alabama's, they have the excess funds, so it's not really like as big of a hit as, you know, we're going to have to cut like this program, this program, if we want to share revenue with our athletes. And that's kind of, I do agree that's probably the better way to do things than just like expect donors to pony up all the time. Um, but I do think it creates a very tough economic model for a lot of uh, athletic departments. Yeah, there's a long way to go and there's a lot of things to sort out. Uh, the NCAA first off kind of, it almost feels intentional that once they lost that case, they were like, fine, have it. And have been really hands-off and have allowed a lot of things to happen that to this point, they continue to say they're not investigating anything active. Um, we, we saw a Miami commit recently post a graphic that literally had stacks of money in the graphic, right? Like yep. the world just, you know, a switch got flipped. Um, and I think whether they want to admit it or not, I think there's a lot of schools, admin officials waiting for legislation and, and waiting for something that they're talking about behind the scenes that we don't know about to happen that will make it more advantageous for them than the players. And that's when we'll start to see maybe some more implementation and structure. I think everybody at this point agrees something needs to happen that benefits the players. And then there's about 80 different options and scenarios with each legal issue in its own way and each person probably looking to benefit themselves, right? Not like you said, everyone. So when you talk about a haves and a haves not situation, the haves are probably eager to have a scenario like that work, right? Yep. So we'll see, but I think we're a good five years away from anything stable coming out of us. I mean, that, that's that's all I really got for you. I, I want to tell you, though, uh, I did see your post on the uniform thing. Rutgers is not wearing white uniforms. They're oh, wearing red. That. Uh, well, Rutgers, Rutgers just told me a minute ago that there's a lot of speculation because their game day graphics and everything have a white helmet. Their stupid uh, promos for the week are white uniforms. They're not wearing white uniforms. If that's all Scarlet. it came from, I'm going to be so pissed. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's okay. supposed to be all Scarlet uniforms. They are doing some tweaks to the helmets for uh, Military Appreciation Day. Oh, but, very cool. All right. No, but, thank uh, you. No, I'm going to squash yeah. that then. Yeah, yeah no, squash, squash that one right now. I just saw, I saw that on the message board. It's I've been yeah, doing the same thing game. for the past, like, 40 hours. <laughs> I'm like, dude, why, why are you wearing white? Like, what are you doing? It's a home and, game. 
And the only reason I didn't go with it is I have a guy that like literally works in the media and he's been mm-hmm. right every single time. So when he said that, I was like, okay, cool, now I'll run with it. But yeah, no, I mean, I, I, that's I, why I, was, too, I just saw the I post and I just got the text obviously. and I was like, all right, perfect. I'm like, yeah, right yeah. Now, like, all right. God, I hope. I wonder if we're going to bust out the all maze then. But. Yeah. <laughs> all red versus all blue? <laughs> yeah. Yeah just, um, yeah, just wear all whites, I hope. <laughs> yeah, usually, usually color they don't do color on color or white on white, so... We only did the all maze the one time against Florida when they played in... Um, is that in Dallas? I believe it was in Dallas. And some fans love it. I, I can't stand it. Like, <laughs> I'm a little bit traditionalist. I like the classic uniforms. If you're going to do like a lot of changes, I think you need to have that flexibility. But also, like as much as I love maze when it's all maze, it's a bit much. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so we kind of go, ran the gamut about where Michigan is, both as a team, their current climate, their uh, where you guys are with NAL. How do you see this game going for you guys? Yeah, I, I, again, I think it's going to be a lot like some of the other games we've seen. Um, with everything that's going on with Michigan this week, um, and then you know traveling and then having the night game and, and some of that stuff, I could just see it being a slow start for Michigan. Rutgers coming out probably playing – you know, up above part of the competition. Maybe they've got a touchdown lead or something like that at the half, and then some second-half adjustments. And, again, just they wear you down, the, the, the style of play they play with the offensive line they have. So um, I think the prediction I put in was probably a little harsh. I think I predicted Rutgers to get shut out again this week, <laughs> something like 31-0. But I wouldn't be shocked if it's another low 30s for Michigan and then, you know, Rutgers gets into the teens or whatever. We've tended to – go prevent on the last drive of the game and let a couple scores come in too. But yeah, I don't, I don't think it's going to be real exciting. Just kind of a go out there, grind game and Michigan wins by a couple scores. Yeah. Cause you guys, you guys have really just worn down opponents all year. Like at halftime, a lot of these games you guys have been playing recently have been pretty tight. Like Michigan uh, state was like a, you know, a, three, a seven, 13 to seven game at halftime. Indiana was 10, 10 at halftime. Penn state was like a 16, 14 game at halftime. And then you guys just kind of, opened up the uh, the floodgates in the second half. That's kind of how things went for us last week with Minnesota. Like, we were down by 14 for basically like three quarters of the game because uh, they scored two quick touchdowns and we kept stopping them. But eventually, Mo Ibrahim just kind of like broke a few big runs in the fourth quarter, and that was kind of how it finished off. I personally think that's kind of how it's going to go this week. I think we have – you guys are obviously in a weird emotional spot. You're coming east to the East Coast for a night game. The, the crowd's probably going to be bigger than a 12 o'clock game. I'll just put it that way. We've had a few big letdowns for night games this year, so I don't see it being a, like a sellout, but I do think that it'll stay close at the beginning, kind of open up late, probably in the fourth quarter. We end up going down by 20-plus, but I do think this will be like a 10-point, 13-point kind of game for at least half of the game, personally. Uh, what do you think, Richie? Uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting one. I mean, obviously the run game at Michigan's disgustingly good. Uh, um, mm-hmm. It's going to be very hard to stop. I think Rutgers has a pretty good defense. I don't think they have a great defense. Uh, but like, like I said, I we've mentioned it before. I also cover uh, Penn State, obviously, for rivals. And I, I, after watching that line dominate the Penn State defensive line, I don't see a reason why they shouldn't do this again this weekend. Um, do they run for 450? Probably not. I don't think they'll do that again ever. But uh uh, yeah, no, I think they'll they'll run the ball pretty well. They'll control the tempo. I think it, he maybe like a 38-7, 34-7, something like that maybe. 
And uh, I think Rutgers sneaks one touchdown. It might be the first drive of the game, and that's that would be typical Rutgers fashion. Score first, get the lead, build a little hype, and then just everything downhill from there. But uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's, it's been uh, it's going to be a tough one for Rutgers. I, I can't see any way they win this game, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, it's a huge uphill climb. Uh, I don't think it, <laughs> that Rutgers Rutgers by has a one percent chance to win this game, and it would take uh, it would take a lot of good fortuitous bounces that basically get returned for touchdown. So. Um, yeah, I hope that nobody gets hurt because we we have a, a freshman quarterback, Gavin Wimsat, starting probably. Um, so he's he he's known as like a great athlete. He didn't really run much last week. Two times he did run, he got totally demolished by uh, Michigan or not Michigan Minnesota defenders when he was sliding. And I, I really don't think the staff wants to see him get banged up going into the off season. I, I think they want to see some progress out of him. So. The, the whiplash on that hit was nasty. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm shocked that that wasn't a penalty. In the NFL, that's that's thrown as a flag every time. Oh, 100%. And, and I know you want to be careful to not, like, overreact to the after, right? Because sometimes that happens. We're like, oh, the guy's hurt, so we throw a flag. Well, yep. it was actually clean or whatever. But uh, the guy I do the film review with each week, Stephen Asatoski, Toski just consistently is screaming for JJ to do a baseball slide. Mm-hmm. Don't do, because one, you get more yards, yep. right? Because they spot you as soon as you give up. But here's the thing. Even when you do that slide, people still hit you, Yeah, yep. right? It doesn't, maybe you get the penalty out of it, but you're just sitting there with your head up and they're taught to go to the middle. And now you've adjusted what the target is. We saw Brandon Peters. Um, oh my gosh. Why am I drawing up? Dylan McCaffrey, both of those Michigan quarterbacks, arguably their entire career, was changed with gruesome hits in that slide. So I don't know if the penalties need to happen more, what they got to do about that, but those are scary hits when a player's trying to give himself up to be safe. And I don't know that I necessarily, you know, upset with the linebacker, the player to do it. Cause again, that split second, you're going in to adjust, blah, blah, blah. But when you, when you get that egregious of a hit, you got to do something about it. Yeah. I just, I think they just need to legislate out like, quarterbacks like like you should just not touch a quarterback if he's even like in a crowd i know the kenny pickett fake slide last year drew a lot of complaints and rightfully so and i think they've changed the rule where like if you even like uh intimidate or intimate that you're sliding then you're down like you don't necessarily have to slide in order to give yourself up um but yeah something's got to change i agree i don't know i don't have the right answer or the perfect answer but something has to change I'm good at complaining without an answer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we really appreciate you coming on, Trevor. Um, Thanks for all the info on on Michigan. Um, Richie, you got anything? Or uh, Trevor, you got anything you wanted to plug before we sign off? Oh, no, yeah. Thank you for having me. First off, I appreciate it. And then, yeah, obviously, we're, you know, part of the Rivals Network. So we're at Mm michigan.rivals.com. Um, if you are a Michigan fan watching this, we're running a 50% off promo for your first year right now. So if you go to michigans.rivals.com, there's a promo right on there to get the half off. And then other than that, I've got my Twitter handle right in the corner there. So yeah, at Trevor <laughs> McHugh, uh, Richie's there. Anything? Audio. Thank you. I'm so bad at that. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, yeah. Some of those, some people are listening only via, uh, via audio. So yeah. it's easy to forget yeah. that. Um, Richie, anything else you wanted to cover what's going on in the site before we sign off? Uh, no, I mean, obviously we'll have a recruiting list coming up, uh, within the next hour or two. Uh, I don't expect a really deep one. It's just going to be a basic one. Um, the, the bigger ones were in the beginning of the season when Iowa came to town and, uh, who else came Nebraska. to town? Nebraska. Yeah. 
<clears throat> yeah, so it's not going to be much. We're 2023 is kind of dead recruiting-wise. It's all portal now, portal, portal, portal. Um, and, uh, yeah, I guess uh, we'll, ha- we'll have to get you back on in February, Trevor. I know it's weird. Rutgers only plays Michigan once this year in hoops. I know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, you're gonna you're gonna want my boy Davey for that probably. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know Davey. Tell him, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, he, he, he ditched us. Ditched us I after can, a month. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I I can come on and fake it, but uh, I love watching basketball. But I I'm not uh, an expert by any means. I was uh, no, I was five nine by like seventh grade, and then I never grew again. So. <laughs> So I was a power forward in sixth grade, and they're like, okay, you got to be a point guard. I'm like, I don't know how to dribble. <laughs> Put me in the block. Right. Yeah. Get destroyed. So, so give us, like, the, the elevator pitch about what is expected for Michigan basketball this year. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's tough. So Hunter Dickinson's actually, you know, obviously back. You know, you've got high expectations for him to potentially be Big Ten player of the year. But there's a lot of question marks, right? Caleb Houston and Musa Diabate move on. Neither one really provided the, the freshman top recruit boost that you thought we were going to see. So you've got a transfer point guard, Jalen Llewellyn, coming in. There's some hype around some of the depth guys. And then the the big star could be our top recruit this year, Juwan Howard's son, Jet. He's really? He's starting three. Yeah, so – it's going to be interesting. You know, Harbaugh – Harbaugh. See, this is why you can't have me talking basketball. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Howard, Howard's definitely implemented a lot of NBA-type scheme, so it's going to be interesting to see. But the last year, struggled kind of early, get into the tournament, make a Sweet 16 run. So it'll be interesting to see if they start the year a little bit better, have a better grip on what their identity is going to be, or if there's still a lot of – crazy lineup switching and, and going on to figure out what this team is going to be. But it'll be physical, it'll be NBA style, and other than Hunter annoying everyone they play. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not going to be superstar-centric, I don't think. But. Gotcha. All right, well, again, we really appreciate you coming on. Uh, this yeah, has been another edition of the Night Report podcast. Signing off. Uh, don't go anywhere. Are you, are Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.